This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. The champ champ remains the champ champ as Daniel Cormier submits Derek Lewis in the second round at UFC 230 in New York. Three middleweight standout Jacare, Adesanya, and Cannonier step up with big wins. Ben Askren reportedly has his first opponent in Robbie Lawler. Is it the right move? Sajara Eubanks misses weight, but in a thin division, how far is a title shot for Eubanks? Floyd Mayweather signs with Ryzen and then doesn't sign with Ryzen and then rips Ryzen. Joining us in studio this week, Canadian welterweight and ultimate fighter, Nations winner, Chad Laprise. And speaking of welterweights, Mike Perry and Donald Cerrone join the show ahead of their fight this weekend at UFC Fight Night in Denver. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show on iTunes, and subscribe. Joe, you brought a friend with you this week. I did. Chad Laprise sitting beside me. I'm pretty excited. Um, he came in last week. We got some good rhythm, and this week he's here twice with me. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome. So are you staying with Joe? For a couple of days? No, I end up staying in a hotel here and just I get a little bit of time away from uh, the kids and get and get a good night's sleep so I can uh, get back in and train hard with Joe. I can relate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, getting getting straight sleep is I underrated. Can't relate. Yeah. Why you you're not sleeping through the night? No, I, I no, mean you, I can't you relate, can't relate to be from, waking from up kids, from yes. baby noises and kids. And just set an alarm every three hours, and you'll is just that that, what that's, that's what it's like. And then see what you're what you're like cognitively the next day. And in the morning, okay. Yeah. So maybe when my hair is not done, so I got messy hair. With Aaron here, and I have Chad with no hair here, so that's the trick. <laughs> so when fight would come, yeah, your hair game would my fall hair off game for sure. Would definitely decrease in potential. But. So when is fight week for you, Chad? Does your family stay at home? Uh yeah. But luckily, uh, this, uh, this fight will be in in Toronto, obviously, right? So I'm only two hours away, being being in London. So my wife will be able to come to this to uh, to this one. But last one was like chilly and far away, right? So we got two little kids, so uh, she wasn't able to come. So this is a this is a good fight. You got Diego Lima, uh, another Ultimate Fighter veteran like yourself, made the finals twice, but he hasn't had a great run in the UFC. But I'm guessing you have to look completely past that when it comes to fighting him. That record to you probably doesn't mean much. No, you know it really means it, it means nothing to me. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the fight. You know he's uh, he's definitely a tough guy. He's he's a big welterweight. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting in there and test my skills against him. Yeah, I guess this is probably it for him. If if he doesn't beat you, he's probably he's got to be done. I mean, he'd be I think one and seven in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he has everything to lose, so he's 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 definitely going to be training hard, and he's I, I expect him to bring out the best performance of of, of his life. But yeah, you've got a lot to lose. Have you had a losing streak before? Um, uh, two in a row. I had you know kind of a bogus split to Ross Pearson, but oh yeah, uh, you know I'm thing. I'm actually coming off a loss right now too. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that's what I mean. I'm, yeah, you don't want two in a row. No, man. I'm uh, I am hungrier than ever, and I'm going to go on and put and put, put put a good performance against uh, Diego. So coming to train with Joe, what yeah, do you get? From bazooka kickboxing that you don't nor, uh, normally get out in London, Ontario. That's a good question. I'm curious about that too. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm I'm super blessed to be able to learn from a guy like Joe. You know, he's 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 an incredible coach. And the one thing that I really like too is that he's not only a coach, he gets in there and mixes it up with me. You know what I mean? So he's we're really looking we're we're, we're working a lot of stuff with footwork, with uh, low kicks, especially. You know, that's kind of Joe's. Uh, his 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 main thing is is smacking that leg, you know, and he was chopping the snot uh, <laughs> out of my leg last, uh, last week. So I'm, you know, I'm just trying to pick it. I'm trying to pick his brain and uh, and, and learn whatever I can from him. Has Joe lo- uh, lost a step at all? Not at all, man. This I, 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 this guy's incredible, and I'm I'm glad I don't have to fight him. <laughs> You're just saying that so he takes it easy on you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually good. I mean, I, and I've seen that this is what you have a good athlete. But the first time it was easier for me to hit his leg. This morning, not so easy. He's moving better. He's hitting. He's understanding. So, like that improvement alone, I think is gonna should give him a lot of confidence when he fights Lima. I'm guessing once you feel those leg kicks, you don't want to feel them much anymore. Not at yeah, all, and man, he has sucks. to block them, right? So he's actually really good at defending and moving. He understands now. So I think that's where he was saying 
I teach him the concept, but now he can actually see it and feel it on himself because I'm using it on him so he can kind of feel the timing. So I think that's where he's really picked up a lot on seeing and feeling my timing. So in Toronto, we can expect to see some light kicks? Absolutely. You know, yeah. we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go there and uh, I'm going to try to mix in uh, all, all, the, all, all the stuff that we've been working with Joe. See, I mean, one of the things that's really helped you is your punching power. You've got really strong punching power for, I mean, especially when you're at 155, but now that you're at 170, at a much fuller weight, that punching power is really yeah. translated. And yeah. with the leg kicks, you'll be able to set that up. Yeah, and we're, we're working on, you know, I've, I've always had a really good movement, and right now we're working on kind of planting my feet and be, and be able to hit even harder. So that's kind of some of the stuff that uh, Joe's, uh, Joe's working with me. You know, I'm just blessed to have a guy, a world-class guy that's only two hours away from me. So I, I'd be stupid to uh, not come up here and train with him. You yeah. having fun, Joe? I love it. Like, I mean, I'm like a kid again. I mean, it's like school, it's education, it's learning, um, and getting to work with guys. I mean, this is what I want to do. I want to feel and show and help these, you know, guys with my skill set. And I think that's where I love spreading the word of martial arts. If, if Chad goes in there and does well now, I feel great about it, you know, and that he's doing well. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, good things going on in this fight. Well, Rob Font's got a fight coming up. Has he called you? I know he wants to come, no, come not down. Yet. Not no, not yet. Let's get that set up. I like Rob. He's a good guy. He idolized him and his brother were like, we idolized Bazooka Joe. Yeah. All right. I could reach out to him. So you were in New York last week. Yeah. Was there any UFC overlap for you? Did you get to see a bunch of the Um, athletes around? Not too much. I know a lot of the guys stayed afterwards, but um, I mean, I got to see at the event we had uh, um, Pettis came. Um, Anthony Pettis came. Uh, Dillashaw was watching the Glory event. We had uh, Ray Longo was there. I got to have a nice conversation. I think Ray Longo is an amazing coach, amazing person. I mean, we connect and vibe really well. Um, and I got to meet Ally Quinta, which was pretty cool. Got to have a conversation with him. So it's, it was nice to see these UFC guys loving kickboxing and glory. So uh, that felt good. Robin Black was there as well. So I'm curious to see how he looks at it. I look at it from a different eyes, but it's nice when I bring people into it and to see what they think of it. So hopefully they like it. Well, Robin's called all kinds of different yeah, martial arts over the years, called Senchao and like all kinds of different yeah, things up yeah. in mountains, the mountains of China, and uh, different Santa tournaments yeah, and all kinds of stuff. He doesn't even know what the, he's calling sometimes. He's yeah. got to learn and relearn all of that stuff. Yeah, he's, uh, he loves it. He eats it up, as I'm sure both of you do. Um, yeah. So UFC 230 happens. Main event, it seemed like Daniel Cormier had absolutely no trouble with, uh, with Derek Lewis. I mean, there's always that chance you're going to get hit by... by uh, Derek Lewis, which is not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Derek yeah. Derek hits with a lot of force. He's probably cuts about twenty pounds to make the heavyweight cutoff. But um, he, uh, you know, when you don't have, I what, what did I notice? I noticed that Roy Nelson had taken Derek Lewis down seven times in a fight. And if Roy Nelson's able to take you down seven times in a fight, you yeah. probably don't want to get in there with Daniel Cormier. Uh, do you? Th- I personally thought Lewis was beat before he even entered that octagon. I didn't see the that killer instinct. He didn't even really try. He knew his strategy was to land his punches and stuff, but he was so hesitant from the takedown, and I'm pretty sure he even said, as soon as he takes me down, the fight's over anyways. But I didn't see that killer instinct when you have an opportunity to win a world title. I think Lewis was just defeated. You know, He didn't give me that extra that you need to be a world champion, I thought. Yeah, but he's kind of like that always during fight week. Like you don't really get much of a sense that he he's got any sort of intensity going, and he yeah. jokes around but a I lot. Mean, in ring too, if you have an opportunity, I mean, I always give the example of um, myself. I'll use me. And when I was fighting Nikki Holtzkin, if there's ten seconds left and I have an opportunity to win a world title, I'm going for it, no matter what it takes. I'm going to go for it. So that little bit of extra. I mean, we've seen it in so many times where they're mentally, physically defeated. You need to go. You're at a world title level. This is an opportunity you've been waiting for. I need to see a little bit more from you. 
It's got to mean more than just being defeated that easily. Yeah, it's tough because with Lewis, if he's going to wing punches, you're going to get taken down. down. So he didn't have a very good path to begin with. Move your feet, try to stay a little longer. He just... And he was, he, he, he was getting taken down anyways, right? So you uh, might as well go out, uh, go out swinging. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you're going to go That's down. Fair. You're going to go down. So what are you going to do? Do I going to sit there and wait to get taken down? At least try to throw some uppercuts when he's trying to come in. Like you got to, I feel, try to win and not try to survive if, if you're going to go in for a world title. Do you feel like he went, got back in there too soon? I mean, he had taken 120 head strikes just a month prior. I would say so. Yeah, you know, but he uh, at heavyweight, the, the, <laughs> the UFC gives him a big opportunity, and when uh, when they, they they give you a world title fight, you know, you just have to jump on it. Yeah, yeah I, I get, you know, I guess you can't fault him for taking it. I just don't know if it's really. It, it was. Too you don't want to talk about morality or ethics or whatever, but it seems like that's not exactly the. Uh, you're not really putting a guy in a position to succeed. But in his big post-fight interview that made him so popular, he said he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So, and then they matched him up, you know, a couple weeks after. Like, he said he wasn't ready for it. Yeah, and Stipe wanted the fight, and Cormier didn't want to fight Stipe on that short notice. So, so I go. mean, Cormier was looking for easy money. Smart I man. Know. I still don't understand. <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> want to fight Stipe on four-week notice, regardless of who I was. No, but I still don't understand when people say, we're talking about those 120 headshots, why they say a heavyweight's career would be longer than another weight class. I don't get it. I would think that being a heavyweight, you take more damage than you would in other weight classes. So I don't know why they would say a heavyweight's career is usually longer. Yeah, that know. that is odd to me. Yeah. Because I don't know if there's any real empirical evidence that would prove that. Yeah, I'm going to do some research. So, I'm going to come back. Speaking of heavyweights, Verhoeven's going to, becoming an actor. Yeah, he's got a, a movie role. I yeah. don't know what movie role he's doing, but... Um, it's going to be tough for him. I think it's not It's not <laughs> as easy as people think. It's great, but I think acting is going to be tough for him. It's hard. Well, I saw the, 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 a tweet, and it was like Rico Verhoeven taking time off to focus his attention, and I was like, please say mixed martial arts, and it was like acting. No. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. But uh, with Glory in New York, it was also some of that carried over to the UFC because we had Carl Roberson and Israel Adesanya getting back-to-back yeah, back wins. Yeah, we had two Glory fighters in there, and they looked good, too. Israel looked phenomenal. I think Israel looked awesome. And like I mean, his distance, his his ability to use his feints, his tactics—I mean, just on point. And I mean, you got to see good striking, good kicking, good kickboxing. Like, yeah, he's the real deal. He's a win away. And yeah. I, the rumor is he's going to be fighting Paulo Costa in Australia. That's what I had heard. That's the. I fight. don't know how true it is, but that's that's. Cra- I don't even know if that is the fight though, because if if you're let's say you're running, you're you're making matches. Wouldn't it make more sense to continue to line up Yoel Romero versus? Paulo Costa, and then maybe have Israel fight Jacare, or do you? Because right now, if you have Israel and uh, Paulo Costa, and they're two of the the two youngest, best up and coming guys, I guess on paper at least in the division, you're going to have one of those guys out of the mix. Yeah. I still think they need to slowly bring Adesanya up. I mean, think about they don't really have much of a choice now, though. I know he doesn't have a choice, but I mean, at these bigger guys now, they're talking about great wrestlers at this point. You know, you can't put them against Yoel Romero. Like, I think Yoel's wrestling... Well, I said Costa. Costa against Yoel Romero. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm just talking examples for him. Um, What about Luke Rockhold? That's a tough one. Luke Rockhold's wrestling is really amazing. really good, yeah. So, I mean, these bigger guys, do you give them Weidman? Weidman's wrestling is really freaking good. Mm -hmm. So, what do you do now at this point? You can't give him, like, Brunson's good, but his wrestling is So, that's why Costa makes sense to you. Because Costa's going to stand with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. 
Costa's I mean, a huge guy. I, you don't want to lose Adesanya to a fight to a good wrestler right now. I don't think so. Yeah, because kind of lose his star. You power can lose badly to a guy like Romero if you're yeah, if, oh, if you yeah. get taken down by him or even Rockhold. Like Rockhold on the ground is, yeah, is like which he's he doesn't legit. get enough credit for. Yeah, all these guys like even Weidman. Weidman on the ground is one of the best grapplers in the game. Yeah. But you just don't see it that often. But when he's on top, he's not letting you get up. Yeah, I think it's just any fight from now is going to be really tough because I think all of those guys outside of Costa have really good wrestling. I mean, yes, his takedown defense looks great, but you're talking now the elite of the yeah, division. Yeah, different levels, right? There's yeah. way different levels. Yeah, absolutely. And Kelvin would actually be an okay matchup for Adesanya, but Kelvin's wrestling is sure. pretty good too. Yeah, for sure. But I still think his best matchup out of all of the guys is Whitaker. The yeah, champion. exactly. So yeah, Whitaker's not going he for wants takedowns. The champ. That's yeah. why he wants the champ. That's why he's so vocal about it because that's the fight that makes sense. And you know it's what? Too bad because it's in Australia. Pay per view in Australia. And Adesanya will beat Whitaker on the feet. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think at that point, that's why he wants that fight. He doesn't want those other ones in between that title fight. I don't think, anyways. I don't think he's ready for that. Yeah, but I mean, Gastelum kind of has the promise ring at this point. He did, he did coach against uh, Whitaker on Tough. Have you been watching that season of Tough? I have. I actually have because of Maurice of the, Green. Yeah, Maurice Green's been going off the deep end. That's what I was just telling Chad today. I was <laughs> like, they're making. I hope Maurice, like, he's such a nice guy that I know him as, but they're making him seem to be this drunk, crazy guy that's starting all these problems. And I think the last one. I mean, he's crying, and they're sitting down and talking to him. And actually, Chad and I actually talked today about the experience behind the scenes that we don't know from the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, he yeah, could man. talk about it, how crazy it is, how they set up the room. Like, yeah, sh- shed some light on that. Yeah, I mean, it was honestly probably... But you guys hard. were in a cabin in, in like, Quebec City, in, right? Or in, rural like, Quebec. In, in, like, in rural Quebec, it was uh, Le Chute Quebec, it was, mm-hmm. it was called. So it was... Uh, Definitely one of the toughest things, you know, I've ever done in my life. It was uh, seven weeks. You have no phone, no books, no TV. I have no contact with, uh, with my wife. You know, and it's just a pressure cooker, right? So they, they put everybody in there, stock the house full of booze. So obviously me, 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 me winning the show, I knew I was going to be there like right, 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 right till the very end. But guys fought within three days of being there. Then you got six and a half weeks left with no chance really to get back in unless somebody gets hurt. So they, did, they just go off the deep end, right? They start drinking every, they start drinking every day. And the, uh, the, the, the show wants drama, right? Mm. So they, they really promote you to, uh, you know, kind of, to, to kind of act stupid. You know, it's, it's definitely tough. It's, it was not easy. I'm glad I did it because I ended up, getting, ended up getting my contract, but I would never do it again. But based on your stage in life, like you were pretty newly married, if I recall. Yeah, and I was younger. Like, yeah. you know, l- l- luckily, I, I had no kids and stuff at the time. There's no way I'd be able to leave my kids without even seeing them for, for, or talking on the phone for uh, seven weeks now, you know? So, but, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of uh, put, my, I, I put my head down and, and then just, just, just grinded my way through it. Yeah, and I'm guessing you probably, you're a pretty devout Christian. I, yeah. I imagine you weren't drinking much on the show no, or anything man. like that. You know, and that's, that's yeah. actually the one thing. So they, they don't even let you bring books in, but they, uh, let, me, they let me read my Bible. So I would just literally read my Bible all day. I was telling Joe, I would get up at like 5 in the morning, and then, and then nobody else would really get up to like 9. So I'd have from like 5 till 9. So I had like four hours of kind of just uh, alone time with me. I was telling him, man, they got cameras in the bathroom. You're, you're, yeah. you, like you're, you're, uh, you're taking a shower, you're on film. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's like worse than being in jail. Yeah, they put that all on Fight Pass. They have the behind the scenes. You can and, go and, and watch all, all these guys take showers. Too. So like yeah. they sing their sound guys <laughs> that listen to all the fighters' sounds so they can hear yeah. if there's like tension going and then boom, the cameras Yeah, the cameras just rush in. It's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. It's like, and it, you know, especially me, I think I was 27, you know, at that time. Like my biggest dream was uh, to get in the UFC, right? So they uh, they kind of hold this little carrot above you. So you'll do anything, you know? Like, like there's like, I saw him, there's like a little rope like outside. And it's like, if you cross this rope, we're going to kick you off the show. 
You know, oh, so it's yeah, like, like animals. Like, wow. And then, and then plus you got to think, so I, 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 I was in the house with a bunch of people who, who, who I know and yeah, we're with team Canada, but at the end of the day, there's one contract for, for uh, the welterweights. Right. So, you know, I'm sleeping right. I'm sleeping right, uh, right, uh, right next beside the guy I'm going to fight in the same day. Right. Yeah. You know what I he mean? He slept so in the, the same bunk bed room yeah. as Cajun yeah, Johnson yeah, and yeah. the whole AM in, in the Libya, same room. Right? They shared so a room. All of a sudden, boom, you know, so you got to fight. There's really, you really got to be able to separate friendships. You know, I wasn't there to make friends. I, w- I was, I was there to win that show. Well, the crazy thing with Maurice Green is he doesn't have to cut any weight. So he's drinking he's like even before fights, whatever day. drinking. Yeah. And I think he's doing it because he misses his family, yeah, which is like, be. I mean, that's probably, he's it's turning hard, to alcohol. Man. It's hard. It, it's uh, you, you definitely, you have to be mentally strong to be in there. But you know, even even the toughest mentally people, like it's it it it'll definitely break you. Absolutely, it's been it has been tough to watch with him because he's really gone yeah, off the rails a little bit. But crazy. you just don't know. That's what they're showing. Like if That's they're the thing, if man. if like the whole the whole rest of the day he's calm, cool as a cool, cucumber. Everybody, loves everybody him. likes him, yeah. but they they isolate. That's what Ronda Rousey said she didn't like about being a coach on the show. Is she yeah. she said it, she felt it painted her in a really bad light because they took all of these different elements of drama that made her look bad. Yeah. And, and, and that's that. the thing. And we, we assign a paper saying that they can make you look however they want to make you look. Right. So you have no idea. So like each week watching the show, I'm like, man, please, please don't put something stupid in there. Right. Because yeah. you, 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 you have no idea. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, the good thing is you've got Canadians and Australians who are among like, the nicest uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> places. Yeah, at least, I mean, yeah. it's not New Zealand. You know, they're not that quite that nice. But uh, people from Australia, I imagine, yeah. if I recall, there wasn't a whole lot of drama on the no, show. No, there wasn't too much. And I, I, I was actually pretty smart. Like, I, I knew that me, Cajun, and, and Olivier were the three best guys there, right? So I actually started making friends with the Australian guys because I, I, I knew I probably wouldn't have to fight them. That it would be us three who would make it to the end. And Dan Kelly was uh, on that season, Dan Kelly, yeah. man, he was, he was old then. And he's still mm-hmm. fighting yeah, this guy. Like, yeah. he's... Uh, he, Man, because he went to four Olympics, I think, in yeah. uh, in uh, judo. He could barely walk up the stairs. His body's just so beat up. But old man Dan, man, he uh, gets in there and just lets it hang out. He's a friendly guy. I like yeah, Dan. I met him. The nice first time guy. I met him, he goes, oh, hello, I'm Daniel. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Daniel There's Kelly. a talking about body and stuff. I recommend. I know Aaron and I always talk about Netflix. Watch um, Ronnie Coleman's documentary on I, Netflix. I've, I've actually just started it. Yeah, I'm halfway it. done. It's, it's crazy. Awesome. Eh? See, see him now. He has those things. The walkers. Where he can't even walk yeah. Barely, man. You got to watch it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, Somebody Ronnie told me Coleman, about it. Uh, it's called The King, but it uh, just shows his years of damage of squatting and deadlifting like a thousand and pounds like, and <laughs> lots of Mexican stuff. And all of right? the Mexican you know, horse you, meat. Yeah. You turn into. It's sad. Crazy. It's almost sad to see him now, man. He was like this specimen, and now he's like a crippled up old man. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know if I'll, if I'll enjoy watching that. I just finished Making a Murderer, though, so I can't be too much more depressing part than two? that. Yeah. yeah, part two. Okay, I didn't watch part two. You should check it out. It's interesting. I figured it would have been the same as part one. No, it's uh, it's actually it's very different. I don't really want to... Sp- I'm not going to spoil it by saying this, but a lot of it is based on just them dissecting the evidence in ways that the other legal team just didn't have the resources yeah. to back then. But then I heard, same with, uh, we were talking about the Ultimate Fighter, they edit it to make it the oh, way Oh, of course, they all see. documentaries. So all documentaries never, can... You never really know, you yeah. know? What's all really documentaries happening. are able to push whatever agenda they have. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of the misnomer with documentaries. When you think documentaries, you think, oh, it's like nonfiction. This but is it, it, yeah. it, it's written yeah. with a narrative. Especially all the health ones that they're talking about. Yeah, it's only right. looking at one perspective. Which I actually is- wanted to pick your brain on something, because I was thinking about this the other day. So people subscribe to all these kind of fad diets, whatever the in-diet is. Yeah. Do you feel like people would be healthier just eating and doing what they wanted but not thinking about it and not having to worry about what they're putting in their body than somebody who's just worried all the time about eating the right thing at the right time and the right You're portions of the right amount? Like stress kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Like some, do you feel like that could affect someone's mentality, that they're so 
overly cautious about what they're putting in their body. I mean, obviously, if you're in a fight camp and you, you are trying to keep yourself at a certain weight, you kind of have to. Yeah. But I'm talking about just the general public. I just think it, whether the diet is, it's all mental. I mean, it all comes down to your mental strength. Whether you're on a keto fasting, whether it's low carb, high fats, whatever it is, it's just your mindset. I mean, I think that's where people have the hardest times where like a fighter in camp, like he can say no to it. No problem, because it's like it's his job. It's his job. Yeah. Where people don't have that fight day. Right. I have to say that. So for me, dieting camp is super easy because I know come December 7th, I have to be 170 pounds. That's it. Yeah. Right. But I'm talking about just the general guy, like any person. Like people just kind of jump onto these things. If it, like, let's say you're just a guy who works in an office, yeah, and you you want to do the keto diet or something like that. Do you feel like you're putting more stress on your mind by looking at like this is what I have to eat at this time, and I can't eat this, I can't eat this, yeah. but I'm I can only eat this and this. I think it's individual, but that's why I like keto, and that's why I like intermittent fasting for people because it takes away. That's why I think fasting is amazing because you don't have to eat. There's no stress of. What do I eat? What do I don't eat? I got to have small four meals. I got to plan it out. Then I got breakfast, lunch. With fasting, I eat one to two meals a day. And in those meals, it's almost like a cheat meal. I get to eat whatever I want in that. I could eat two to 3,000 calories in one to two meals. That's amazing. Rather than having, you know, 500 calories six times a day of, you know, steamed broccoli and crappy chicken that you don't want to eat no more. This way of eating let me fast throughout the day and eat a lot. So that's why I like that concept as a lifestyle. Because the problem is whatever diet you do, your body gets used to that. So whether I'm on like a, a, a high-fat diet, my body gets used to using fat. Once I introduce carbs all the time, I'm going to put on weight again. Or if I go on a high-carb, low-fat, I'm going to lose weight anyways. But it's when you have to just be consistent with whatever diet you're doing. That's why intermittent fasting is easiest for me, I think. I personally think the Atkins diet is the best. That's just me. Yeah. It's basically keto. keto. Do you remember the Atkins diet? It's basically yeah. keto oh, dieting. It? Yeah. It? <laughs> it's high-fat, low-carbs. Yeah. Well, the UFC has a card in Denver this weekend, the 25th anniversary show. And on the card is one of the more eccentric fighters in the UFC, Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry, a man who uh, says a lot of interesting things. So before this interview gets started, I will say listener discretion is advised if you're in the car with your kids. You may want to skip this one because Mike Perry is always uh, going off and, and saying whatever's on his mind. And here he is on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen... It's time to introduce this week's guest. Don't call him Mike Platinum Perry. It's Platinum Mike Perry joining us now on the TSN MMA show. He's in Denver, has a big uh, fight coming up with Cowboy Cerrone. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, bro. How's it going? Everything's going great over here. You know, this is a weird one because you you like to keep things technical when you have to, but this is a, a sort of fight against Cowboy Cerrone where... The less technical it is, the better chance you have. Would you agree with that? Uh, in a scrappy little fight, um, I mean, see, as a fighter, throwing bolo punches, there's a technique to it. Throwing wild hate makers, there's a technique to it. You still got to keep it tight. So it's going to be a very technical show. It's going to be all the technique that we've been working in our camp, in our 12-week camp with our team, uh, it's all going to show and come out Saturday night. So it's still a technical show. It's not – when we go in there and wild brawl fight, that's not a bar fight. That's not a street fight. That's technique that you guys might not see as so technical. But it's uh, 
you know, I'm, I, it's definitely going to be technical, bro. Like, there's there's levels to this shit, and there's I, I know you guys know the sport because you see everything in it and you watch it all. But if you're not physically doing it, then there's no way you can know. Well, I don't mean to dismiss uh, the idea that what you're doing in those situations is not technical. Of course, you're working on your striking all the time with Frank the Tank. But what I, what I am trying to, to get at is the less predictable you are, the more that you take uh, Cowboy out of a comfort zone and, and out of his game plan, which is probably to be you know, a little bit more slow, a little bit uh, more you know, uh, tactical, you can take him out of that game by using your technique. Is that, that's more what I'm getting at. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. My aggressive technique of pressing forward and just uh, rolling and, and flipping side to side a little and, and just trying to close the gap on him and put him on the cage and make it a, make it a gritty fight early, yes, that's, that's the technique we're looking for. Do you think of Cowboy as a lightweight fighting at welterweight? Oh, I think he's going to be a welterweight on Saturday. I think he's going to weigh in at 170 pounds, and I think he's going to put some weight back on. And I think that uh, it's um, it's not necessarily a fairly even matchup in my favor. I think it's in his favor. He's the one with 50 professional fights. I've got 15. Um, but the way that I fight, the way that I have finished opponents have gotten me here fighting guys with extensive records and uh, top-tier opponents, high level in the welterweight division. And I've shown time and time again how tough, how willing I am to get in there and, you know, fight my damn heart out because, you know, I'm going to bleed if I have to. And I'm always going to press forward and try to... I'm never not trying to get the fucking knockout. I'm always going in. I'm always trying to knock these guys out until the last second of the fight. And, you know, how have guys beaten me in the past? They They have maybe gotten some points, and then they run around and waste time against me. And even people who have dropped me have not come in to finish me. So... You know, if I drop somebody, I'm going in. I'm going for the kill. And nobody seems to do that against me. They're, they're always tentative and always afraid, no matter how injured or hurt I am. With Cowboy, it's been much publicized what happened with him and, uh, and Team Winklejohn, um, Team Jackson Winklejohn, the fact that he's kind of left and he's doing stuff on his ranch. Even Lando Venata talked about it last week as he's over there with Cowboy. He was saying that he felt that you had an advantage because you were able to pick the brains of the people that, that are around you. But do you feel that he, it kind of goes both ways? He's able to, you know, find out information about you having connections that are still within your camp? Absolutely. His, his people, shit, mostly everybody he's with right now have been in Jackson Wink watching me train this whole camp, and I haven't seen him at all. But I've seen his people, and... um and, you know, I was hoping that they go back to the ranch and they tell him, hey, he's doing this, and hey, he's doing this, and hey, he's doing that. And, like, I hope they are telling him that shit. I hope he does ask about me. I hope he is fucking thinking about me because I'm not thinking about him. I'm thinking about me. And I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Fuck his game plan. We don't care about his game plan. We worked a couple things off of some kicks. 
and uh, offer some, you know, takedown attempts. But, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go in there, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to tuck my chin, and I'm going to throw leather. I'm going to knock him the fuck out. Is it entirely true, though, that you're only thinking of yourself? When you look at Cowboy, a lot of what's happened in his career where he stumbles is mental blocks and, and issues he's had with the mental uh, part of, of the sport. Do you have a game plan for how you hope to get into his head before the fight? Yeah, I'm going to use it a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's not, I'm not really trying to get in his head like, to, like, this is what I'm going to do. If he comes to talk to me and uh, or do anything, I'm going to let him know that it's not going to be friendly. It's going to be mean and nasty. I'm not going to shake his hand until Sunday morning. Uh, you know, right now he is my enemy, and I will let him know that, that I feel that way so that he is prepared for me to come after him. And I'm going to tell him I'm coming after you. And whether he believes me or not, that's his prerogative. But I'm going to fucking go after his neck, and I'm going to try to kill him. You've yelled at a lot of guys on Thursdays after media day, on Fridays at the weigh-ins. You, 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 you often have interesting things to say to them, unpredictable things. I mean, even in your first fight, uh, you, you faked a handshake with uh, Hyung Gyu Lim and kind of got in his head a little bit. Uh, do you have anything planned for what you're going to say, or are you just going to be yourself and whatever comes out comes out? Usually it's whatever comes out. Usually I get an idea or something, and, and uh, you know, maybe we try again for the thought you had a friend boy number two. I've been watching The Anatomy of a Fighter. Will Harris, he, he puts uh, together a great web series on YouTube. If you, if you haven't checked out Anatomy of a Fighter, I recommend it. It gives you a really good inside to what a fighter's week is like during fight week. Um, and I learned that you're working with uh, Lockhart Leith for this camp. You haven't usually used a nutritionist in the past. Does that help you think more about the fight than the fight before the fight, knowing that you have people that are going to be able to get you um, to 170 pretty easily? Yeah, I think so. Um I mean, I've never missed weight. I've never had a problem. Uh, these motherfuckers just got me drinking a bunch of fucking water. It's getting on my damn nerves. But uh, uh, the food, you know, it comes every couple hours. They're on point with it. it and it's nice little meals that are healthy for you. They know the science between how many potatoes I can have and shit. I don't usually do things like that. I usually do more of a protein thing. So... You know, getting the carbs is really going to be positive for my performance, I think. And um, and I'm, I think I'm feeling a little better than I usually am on weight cut time. I'm not getting the fucking water down like I'm supposed to. Like, they want two gallons for the past five days. And, like, I've been, I have not been, like, coping with that shit. So, but I'm going to make weight no problem. You know, I don't know how much it's really fucking helping me. They're just, you know, I was like, oh, I'm hiring somebody to cook for me. And I feel like sometimes I would be eating, like, a little more flavor. Uh, some, they, they cook some really good stuff, don't get me wrong, but they can't put flavor in it because because that would hurt my weight cut. So, you know, I'm just complaining because I'm a hungry bastard and I got to be hungry for this week. That's just how it is, man. It's bullshit, but... I got to do it. I'm ready to go to fucking middleweights are too fucking tall, man. I'd rather go to heavyweight before I go to middleweight. <laughs> at least a heavyweight, they'd be slow and I'd crack their shit. 
this is going to be an, inter- an, an odd question for you to answer because I'm going to need you to think back. UFC 202, it's your debut in the, in the UFC. You hadn't really made a name for yourself just yet. From a logistics standpoint, what went into fight week, your preparation, who booked your hotels and, and, and got everything together for you? Was that kind of disorganized chaos versus what it's like now? Uh, or do you, you know, how much, how much help do you have now um, compared to how you did first in your, you know, at first in your career with just getting through fight week? Uh, I mean, I mean, look, I got people, I got support. I've always had support. And, um, because people believe this is the most important thing that I believe that the people around me believe that I'm in the right place in my life, that, that God has put me here in Denver to fight on Saturday no matter what, and it is a part of my destiny, and that helps me believe that, you know, it's not about victory or or losing. It's about being in the right place in life, and that whatever God's plan may be, you know, that gives me confidence to get into that octagon and to get into that ring and to fight a dangerous man uh i wonder how my nerves will be because they were they were high before i fought felder but you know being in the right place in life i think is going to give me confidence to get in there and perform relaxed to the best of my ability because i have to be here this is where i have to be in life this is where my opportunities are and because I have to get in that octagon and fight a man, a dangerous beast, in front of millions of people, I'm capable and I am ready and I believe it. But it doesn't matter who is around me. It doesn't matter. I, I'm blessed with great people around me, but they all know that I would do this shit myself if I fucking had to. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do it myself. Has there been a fight where you felt like you might have been a little bit ill-prepared going into it during fight week? You're never really prepared. You never are when you go to get in there. I feel like, I mean, this is the most prepared I've ever been. So, you know, uh, but still, you know, people always ask, you ready? I'm like, yeah, you know, fuck. I'm I'm, I'm ready as I'm ever going to be. I got to get in that bitch. I got to do what I got to do. Let's go get this money. There's nothing else to do but that. So I'm going to go do it. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to try to hurt this man. And and he's going to try to hurt me, and we'll see who can stay standing longer. We're both some tough son of a gun, so it should be fun. And finally, this event, it's the uh, 25th year anniversary of the UFC. Um, I don't know what they have planned in order to honor that uh, at this particular event, but does that mean anything to you going into this, that they put you on this particular card? It does. It means a lot to me. I, uh, I grew up, you know, it means that I believe I'm getting the respect um, in fighting that I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be known for being one of the baddest men on the planet and people know now and they definitely going to know Saturday that with if I get into a fight it's going to be a 
you know, it's going to be a show of fireworks and and explosions and and just you know, people ain't going to want to fight Mike Perry in the street. That's I I ain't walking around with security guards and shit. I ain't got you know. Hopefully somebody with me might be strapped up. I got some people with me that got their legal uh, permit to carry. I'm not allowed to carry, but I I got guns on me at all times. And, um, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm quick to fight a motherfucker. If a motherfucker want to try me in the street, you can get knocked out for free. Yes, I fight for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I will knock a bitch out for free. Um, is Ray Borg still training with you guys at uh, Jackson Week? I saw that he unfortunately had to pull off the card. He's not fighting on this card. Yeah, apparently he's come down with an illness and uh, and was pulled from the card today. Oh man, that illness is man. You know he we he got caught, bro. He was talking shit about Frank the Tank on his wife's Instagram story in the background. We heard him talking. I don't like Frank the Tank. I don't think he's going to coach this and that. And he don't know nothing about Frank. He's just a fucking hater. And that's why his bitch ass ain't showing up this week to fucking fight like a man. Sick. You come down with illness. Bitch, you scared. All right. Well, there you have it. So is so is he still a Jackson Wink or he's not there anymore? Uh, I mean, he was there. He was training. But, um, I mean, he's still there, I guess. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Just, the gym is very, there's a lot of people. See, as a fighter, you may go to a gym, but I have my plan on how I train, when I train, the times that I train, the people that I train with. That's how you have to do it. Yes, as a fighter, you have to be willing to fight and train with anyone at any given time. Good to be uncomfortable. But also... It's good to be comfortable. So you, you plan things as a professional around you and around your game plan, around what you're up against, what you're doing, what you're trying to do. So we don't really, we don't really um, see all the people all the time. Like, I see Ray Borg a few times, you know what I'm saying? But, and then it's been like, you know, he's on Cowboys Nuts and, and, and he was hating on Frank and shit. And then ever since, uh, he got caught hating on Frank. You know, there's been this, like, fog in the air. And he don't say shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't talk to Ray Borg. I don't think I've ever said two words to Ray Borg. All right. Well, there you have it. Mike Perry, always uh, always fun speaking with you, Platinum Mike, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, bro. Peace. That was Platinum Mike Perry. And now we get a chance to speak with his opponent, Cowboy Donald Cerrone. He's been in the UFC for such a long time, has so many fights under his belt. And he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. All right, joining us now, Cowboy Cerrone, fighting at UFC Fight Night this weekend in Denver. It's the 25th anniversary of the UFC. And who better to have on the show than somebody who's had how many fights now in the UFC, Cowboy? Um, you couldn't even, I don't even know. No clue. <laughs> I'm asking the wrong guy. <laughs> you need yeah, to pull up the I Wikipedia see, page. Like, what's, what's, your, what's your record? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> no clue. Well, you've got an interesting fight this uh, this particular weekend with some strange circumstances uh, around them, yourself and uh, and Mike Perry. Uh, so Mike Perry training with uh, with Frank the Tank uh, at Jackson Wink. Uh, like yourself, you've since split from the gym. Have any fences been mended since uh, you went on the Joe Rogan show and talked about it? 
Oh no, there won't be any of mending. Uh, and my my uh, attack and my anger is not towards Mike Perry. Just to be clear, like that, he's just a he was just a lost guy looking for a new home when he found Jackson's. You know what I mean? So he has he has he's neither here nor there on 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 any of that. But the fact that the decision was made over money um, to me is, is is shit. So that's why I'm upset with with Winkle John. But other than that, man, it's no, there'll be no mending of any fences. But how does the money factor into it? Oh, uh, well, because I don't work with Winkle John. I work with Greg Jackson only. Good lifetime friend of mine. Great dude. Um, and so when Perry came and Jackson would have had to pick me or him, Winkle John doesn't get paid through me. I only pay Greg when I work with him. So Wink said, you know, if, if we take this, the Perry fight, he pays the gym and, uh, that's, that's where we're going to go with with the money. And I'm like, damn, he chose money over years of me being there. You see your colors, buddy. Right on. There you go. You just do the line in the sand. When I last, so. when I last spoke to both of them, uh, Greg Jackson was going to corner you and Winkle John was going to corner Mike Perry. Is that still the case? Yeah, no. So I opted out of that only because I don't believe it's fair. I don't believe it's fair for Greg to be at the practices every day watching Perry train and then coming and cornering me on how to beat a guy that they're they're training so for me i don't want that i don't want i don't want someone to say oh you knew all my secrets i don't care so i told her I'll, I'll work with, i work with greg all the time i just spoke to him yesterday he's coming up to the fight to watch and uh man i love the dude so i'll work with him as soon as this fight's over and everything will be okay but no i i i don't think it's fair to on terry or or anyone's behalf to 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 be put through that. So who's going to be in your corner this weekend? Uh, just my guys from the from that I've grown up with. Will Leonard be there? No, I wish Leonard. He'll be here, but he's not in the corner. All right, cool. Well, um, Ray Borg, who trains at uh, Jackson Wink, who I think you're, I, I think you're pretty friendly with. He he unfortunately pulled out of the card uh, today. Have you had a chance to speak with him? I haven't spoken with him yet. No, he was supposed to ride up yesterday, and I knew he was sick and in the hospital. Uh, I haven't spoken to him yet, but uh, it's a bummer for him, man. Poor guy. He's had a tough year and a half. I actually spoke to Mike earlier and mentioned it to him, and Mike kind of ripped Ray. I guess they don't really get along for whatever reason. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with, with how they get along, so I don't know. So, um, with... I, don't, I don't put myself in, in much of that drama, man. I just keep to myself. So. Yeah, I guess since, since the Rogan interview, I'm guessing that probably has, been, has not been top of mind for you. No, not at all. Um, I know Lando Venata came out and trained with you as well. Um, how how was that? I mean, he he probably brings you some some different looks. Oh yeah, I love Lando, man. Been a good friend of mine for a long time, and you know he recently just split from uh, Winkle John as well. So it was good having him up there at the ranch training. How many people are at the ranch at any given time? Oh man, this camp we had a lot twenty twenty five probably. So do you have bunks over there? Like how what's the what's the arrangement yeah. like? Yeah, I got I got like actual apartments. Pretty cool. Um, it's fun, man. If you live in, I can't expect a guy to come, say, live and train with me, and then have sleeping on a couch, you know. So they have they like full little apartments. They're good. Um, with with this particular fight, I'm guessing that uh, Perry's probably going to try pressuring pressuring you, um, and probably will I guess attempt to get in your head over the next couple of days. How are you prepared for dealing with the antics of Mike Perry and and I guess the essence of Mike Perry? Oh. <laughs> It's easy, man. He, there's nothing he's gonna gonna try and taunt me with that I haven't seen him many times. So that's the only drawback with having you know him with Frank. They know 
try and get in my head and work me down, but it's not going to work. It's all good. I know it's coming. You've been saying for a while you want to move down back down to lightweight, but they keep offering you these uh, these welterweight fights. Is yeah. is, is, right. is is lightweight this, still? This is it. This is the last one. This, this is it. The last one. I'm going for, yeah. This is the last. Well, the, I say that. Yeah, I was going to say you say that every time. <laughs> so this is it, though. This is you're hoping to go back to 155 after this. Right now, I'm putting my foot down. This is it. How big would a 165 division be for you? Oh, I'd love to. That'd be the one. 65 would be money. I mean, even 60 would be okay. It's just those last five pounds. Holy mackerel. Yeah, I've got Chad Laprise here. I mean, he can relate. He's, he's up at welterweight now and was at, uh, was at lightweight and is also a big proponent of 65. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely Brutal, hoping man. that yeah. uh, someday the uh, 65 division will uh, be there for us. I mean, you know, it's probably, you know, probably, probably 65 is perfect for you. 60 is, is pushing it, but, man, 55 is just, it's just like brutal, man. It's the exactly. worst. Those last five pounds are, are hell. I'm in the exact same boat. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like you can diet. You can't diet that low because your body needs the fuel. You know what I mean? We're just big boys, so it's tough. I guess the, apparently the flyweight division might be might be going away. Do you think that could open the door for sixty five and seventy five? Man, I got your guess is good as mine with DOC. You don't know what the hell they're doing. Every day it's something different. <laughs> Have you been hearing that a one sixty five is in the works from some people? No, nah, hell no. I mean, you just hear, but it's never out of the horse's mouth, so you never know. You fought so many guys in the UFC. Um, is there anybody that you've had your eye on for, for years saying, you know, this is a guy that I really would like to get in there against before my career's over? Well, I don't care. Whoever, whoever the top guys are, I want to fight. That's all I want. I want the guys that are coming there to fight. What about Ben Askren? You see him join the UFC. Um, is that the kind of fight that you wouldn't want to take because he's not going to stand with you? Are you fucking kidding me? That's the kind of fight I would gladly throw my hand up for. I want the guys that nobody out that they're scared of. There's no name that scares me, man. I just I love it. That's what I love to do. So I would I would I would take that with open arms. Yeah, but I guess Ben is going to be one of these guys that probably is going to have trouble getting opponents. It seems. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. But you won't be one of those guys that uh, that doesn't want to take the fight. I, I don't know. I don't know where people learn that. I don't know where you're taught that as a kid. Like when you when when an opportunity arises and there's a man. If you if you had a basketball right now and you're like, let's go two on two, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. I don't even play basketball, but I just want I just want the challenge. I want to go play. You know. So if there's a, if there's someone in in the same sport I do that wants some shit, let's go. I asked Mike the same question. This is the, the 25th anniversary of the UFC this weekend uh, at this particular event. Does that mean anything extra to you? No, it was really pretty cool setting the leading uh, UFC fights in history on the, on the, on the same night as, as making history. So it'll be cool. All right, Cowboy, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and hopefully we get that 65 division going. I've got Chad here. You, you want it. Everybody seems to be lobbying for this thing. Come on. That was Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Now let's go back to discussing UFC 230. Sajara Eubanks, unfortunately, misses weight again. So I want to ask you this, Chad, because you have moved up to 170 pounds and you've said you're staying at 170 pounds because the 155 cut was not ideal for you. She has, uh, when she was on the Ultimate Fighter, she had a lot of trouble making the weight. She was able to make it three times but put her body through absolute hell. And then when she finally got the title shot, she had to get rushed to the hospital due to her kidneys shutting down during a weight cut. And now in this situation, she told the story that she was cutting the weight and it was getting and uh, she was pretty low when she woke up, but only like 0.7 pounds came off in two hours. Um, so she wasn't able to, to take much off without potentially putting herself at risk in New York State of getting pulled from the card. And she wanted to rather, you know, she wanted to stay on the card. But with this in mind, 
knowing that she's only, I think, a four and two fighter at this point, do you make her move up a weight class because it's just too risky at this point? You know, if if I was in her shoes, I'd hundred percent be going up to one thirty five. You know what I mean? If she's if she's proven multiple times that she can't make the weight, then it's obviously not for her. You know, so that's kind of my feeling. But I was actually listening to to an interview with her, and she says. Because at, at 125, she's so close to getting that title shot, right? So going up to 35, she has to build her way back up. But at the, at, at the end of the day, if you can't make the weight, there's no way you're, you're, you're going to be able to fight for a title. How many times has she missed weight? Is this her first time? So she, when she got the title shot against Montano after the show, she uh, had a complication cutting weight and got pulled from the card, so she lost her title shot. This was supposed to be a number one contender's fight. But she missed weight here. She's oh, okay. fought twice at bantamweight so at before, point, so she was three yes. and two. Yes. Two of those fights were at bantamweight. Another was at a catchweight, if I recall. So I think she's only successfully made one twenty-five twice. I don't want you know. I don't want to, at least in an official capacity, because on the show she made it three times yeah. for the exhibition fights. I mean, I think like Chad, I want to answer this too, but I think fighters get so absorbed over one to two pounds sometimes that they think it's this crazy thing. So, I mean, even when you're negotiating outside of the UFC, when I'm negotiating, you'll be like, okay, let's do one, 145, for example. Uh, let's do 146, 147. No, we can't agree. Like, people are fighting over that one, two pounds all the time, and it makes a big difference. So, when Chad was at 155, he mentioned to me today, he was like, I was the biggest guy at 155. So, now, as he's fighting someone like Lima, who's a big, strong-framed kind of guy... How does your psychology change when you went from that bigger weight class? Yeah, you know, uh, fighting 55, that was definitely always the biggest, usually the strongest, right? So fighting Lima, he's he's definitely going to be bigger, stronger than me, but I'm just going to beat him with skills, you know, speed, movement, and not power. Uh, like for, for fighting at 170 pounds, I have way more power than I did at 55. You know, that, that I cut definitely drained me hard. I have no knockouts when I fought at, at a 55. I knocked out Goody, but I ended up missing the weight. And every, uh, I think I have eight, eight knockouts at 170 pounds, right? So... You know, I uh, I definitely ha- I have more pop in my shots. Well, look at Whitaker. Whitaker is the champion yeah. at 185. He was fighting at welterweight for a while. Wasn't yeah. doing well there. Moves up, and he has un- I think he's undefeated at 185 now. Yeah. So it just goes to show that a lot of these folks that were a little bit worried about being either wanting to be too big or not yeah, wanting yeah. to be too small, and you, and that you, it, it you, changes things. You know, for me, I found when I'm fighting at 170 pounds, like just I was training today with Joe, I don't even think about the weight. You know what I mean? As long, as long as I eat healthy, then I'm pretty much good to go. Whereas at 55, my whole camp, it all revolved around making weight. So I, w- I, w- like I wouldn't be training for Lima right now, like uh, specifically. Every workout I'd be doing is just trying to get my weight down, just trying to get my weight down. Always starving, always I didn't have energy to train. So right now, like weights, and I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just thinking about eating clean and fueling my body properly, and then uh, we're, we're, we're going, on, going over specific things to have eat. Diego you probably cut what, like 13, 14 pounds? Yeah, like right, like I'm 190 pounds right uh, right, uh, right now. But uh, like like come fight week, I'll be 182 ish. And yeah, so then, it's, uh, it makes it like easier. Water weight, I'll cut yeah. two or three pounds. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where at 55, I would literally diet for 12 weeks straight, and then I would be still be cutting like 12 pounds 12 of water. 12 pounds of water. Is water. Say, yeah. When, when yeah. I'm already sucked it's out, kind you know of what my I mean? style too. Like yeah. I was. Yeah, so it, it was definitely brutal, you know, but uh, right now, I, you know, I still haven't ruled it out 100%, but as of right now, I'm a welterweight. You know, if the UFC ever makes a 165 Yeah, I was going to say 165 is perfect for you, right? It's like the best thing in the world for me. But I, I don't see, you know, at, for a while I was against it. I, I thought it didn't make a lot of sense. But when you think about, A, the amount of depth that they have right now absolutely. at welterweight and, and lightweight, and that guys like Kevin Lee are killing themselves to make 155. Guys like yourself who were killing, yeah. you know, you were killing yourself to make 155. 
it's such an ideal weight class for people that will keep because there are a lot of like you mentioned guys like Diego Lima who are probably more like a 175er. Darren Till would be a one seven. There's a lot of guys yeah. who could easily fight at one seventy five. Gastelum would be great at one seventy five also. And I think I think one sixty five would be the most stacked division ever. Because like if you think about like uh, like like your your average guy like healthy yeah. Indian because Askren would be at one sixty five like you'd yeah. be drawing from it's a like lot of welterweights like it's like one hundred eighty pounds lean you know what I mean so they're either you're gonna be a small fit a, a small one seventy or you're gonna be a giant one fifty five right going going through so I think one sixty five would be the best division and then the uh, the uh, big one seventies would just go up and then the small ones would 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 would, would, would go down and the big fit fifty five would be fighting at sixty five oh, with Askren signing and Demetrius Johnson leaving. It does seem to signal that flyweight might be on the it's way done. out. It's done. It's 100% it? done. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. saying it's out. Yeah. No, but well, not, people well, are not. It's out. The UFC it haven't said be. anything about it, but I heard Rogan mention it that they're thinking. Well, Cejudo about said it. it Cejudo said Cejudo it. Too. Said Cejudo is the champion. Right. Said he thinks that the division's done. You know, if you, if 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 you let go of one of the pound for pound best fighters in the world, you know, I don't think there's definitely going to be a, a, a division after that. What do you think of Ben Askren? He's a nightmare for a lot of people. You know what I mean? That uh, the, uh, that guy's wrestling and uh, ground control is incredible. You've seen him win fights without even getting hit, right? So I, I, I actually fought on the same card as him in Bellator when he fought uh, Diego Lima's brother, du- uh, Douglas. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, he and Douglas didn't even touch Douglas him. Lima. He him. literally just mm-hmm. ragged all him round after round after round. So, yeah, you know, I'm definitely interested to, uh, come, to see him come, come over here and fight in the UFC. Sam Kaplan, who used to be the yep. uh, matchmaker for Bellator, I'm sure you dealt with yep. when you were yeah, there. He mentioned that... Uh, if we, if they thought that it was going to be tough finding opponents for Khabib, wait until they try to match up Ben Askren because nobody's yeah. going to want to fight this yeah. guy. Would you guys put Askren as a better wrestler than Khabib? Yes, I would. I, I would for sure. And he has like that that uh, folk style wrestling where he just can ride you and grind. They say that he's the best folk style wrestler perhaps ever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he can chain things together so well. Like he's 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 not a guy like a GSP who will blast you with with a double. He'll just get a hold of you and systematically break you down position by by a position. You know. And I mean, people say there's probably a big difference uh, between getting hit by guys in the UFC versus outside the UFC. But Douglas Lima, if he hits you. You're in trouble. Douglas, Douglas Lima, he's a he's a, he's a monster, he's a big guy, and he's he's mean. You know, he 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 comes in and, and throws heavy, and Asker made made him look like a little like a, a little child. But mm-hmm. isn't that going to be a, probably the similar fight we'll see with Lawler? Right, Lawler's going to just he's known for swinging and looping power punches. So I think that's a an easier matchup for a wrestler. Yeah, but Lawler's going to be way bigger than him because Lawler used to fight at middleweight. Um, he's just going to, I think, just physically be a bigger guy. And he's got pretty good takedown defense. That being said, if you look back at Lawler's previous fights, he does get taken down in almost all of his fights. And if you're going to get taken down in almost all of your fights, Askren's going to take you down. Yeah, because Askren's times. wrestling is just a, it's another level. My money's 100% on Askren for that fight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, like Lawler could, could catch him, but I doubt it. So that's probably it. He probably just has a puncher's chance for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of like we we're talking about with, uh, with uh, Derek Lewis. You know, his best bet is just swing, man. Yeah. Because if, if you just try to play the safe game, Askren's going to get him down anyway. And the worst part so, about it is it's a three-round fight. So Askren just needs to win even worse. two rounds, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what also um, I mentioned to Chad earlier, it seems like, a couple years ago, the UFC didn't want wrestling-based fighters. They weren't interested in having wrestlers at all because we're talking about one of the best Canadian fighters we have is Josh Hill. And his biggest criticism was that he's only wrestling. He wasn't being entertaining or standing up on the feet. And now are some of the two most successful signings we've had are wrestlers. Everyone's on Khabib and everyone's on Askren. So I think that the shift towards wrestling in MMA is starting to grow. And I mean... One thing that I think the UFC made a big mistake on is not signing guys like Aaron Pico, like Ed Ruth. Um, a lot of these guys, uh, like Tyrell Fortune, a lot of these guys that Bellator signed kind of as prospects, O and O guys that they're developing. 
is yeah. Aaron Pico to me. Like I was on with, with Ariel Hawani last week on the show, and we were talking about trades because there's this whole Demetrius and Askren yeah. thing. And I said, you know, if there was one guy outside of the UFC that they – if they, could, if they could get anybody, who would it be? And he was like, well, maybe Fedor. And I was like, the answer is obvious. It's Aaron Pico. Like yeah. Aaron Pico has such huge star potential. Um, and Ariel basically said, well – when you say that, you're almost saying something that's not realistic because he's like as untouchable as LeBron James would be. He's just not a guy that Bellator would ever even consider. Like maybe for Conor McGregor, yeah. like that's what the price tag on a guy like that would be. That's where the issue is with fighters now because when you have that opportunity to go to UFC or Bellator, like what do you do? Because if you go to Bellator, sometimes you can't really cross over. There's only been a few that have been able to cross over. I mean, of the bigger names in Bellator, who was the biggest to cross Probably over? Eddie Alvarez, Alvarez, Will Brooks, yeah. Well, it's um, funny we're talking about that. I was in the same uh, same situation. I was two zero with Bellator come c- c- coming up. I was undefeated, and they offered me a contract with them. So I fought for way less money because I knew I could always go to the UFC and then eventually work my way back to Bellator. I knew if I stayed with Bellator, it'd probably be harder to get to the UFC. So I uh, opted out for 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 less money and just fought one fight at a time with the with the end goal of getting to the UFC. And here you are. It, and it worked out. And for me, you right? you yeah. got there quickly. Like I guess you had those two Bellator fights and then you were in the UFC. I had one more. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was seven and zero, and then I got picked up. And I don't think you realize with Chad's records too. This is, I believe, his tenth or eleventh UFC fight. It's my tenth. In the, wow, in, in that's the pretty UFC. amazing. And I was looking back at how, how long yeah. ago that show was. Yep. And that's ten plus his his Ultimate Fighter and ones, right? I had two. I had two on the Ultimate Fighters. Yeah. Well, so, so there's twelve UFC fights already. I so. mean, I I didn't expect him to have that much experience as well. Yeah. So well, I I have. I have way more fights in the UFC than I have that are not in the UFC. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a trial by fire. You know, they just kind of, I went in there and, and learned on the fly. Your fights are always exciting. So yeah, that's you know, why they, that's yeah. definitely, I mean, they keep you around because you're winning. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt that your fights are exciting. Yeah, you know, I, that's, that's definitely a goal. I'm going to go in there and bring it uh, uh, every single time. I actually felt bad for Galore Bufondo because you beat him and they, they released him after he was like one yeah. and one in the UFC. It was weird. There had to be something that happened with that. Like there's, 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 there's no way that they should cut a guy off one loss, especially before he fought me. He had that crazy slam knockout. He's <laughs> a head super, throw. Like, head and arm throw knockout. Guy. Yeah. He does backflips and spinning kicks and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? That still might be the weirdest knockout I've seen was, was Galore Bufondo. He crazy. does like a head and arm throw and Charlie Ward lands on his head and, and loses. Knocks, yeah. yeah. It was kind of fluke, I think, myself. But uh, you know, he had tons of hype around him when when uh, when he fought me. There was hype. He was on the, on the big hype train from UFC. And yeah, that, he was he was favored, I think, in that fight. Was he not? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look. He that wasn't up. favored. Do, in my do books. you look at that? No, <laughs> no. I could care less. Okay. I well, care well less. I don't think there's odds for you and uh, Diego Lima, but I can comfortably say that you'll probably be at least a three to one favorite against Diego yeah. Lima. Who knows? You know what I mean? I've I've pretty much been a favorite in every fight except for my last one, I think. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, Vicente you know? Luque, that was he's your last tough, fight. Yeah, he's, he's a tough, tough. guy. He's very nice guy, tough. too. Very nice. Yeah. You know, I, I wish him all the best. Hopefully, he has, he has, he has a great career. He was humble. Res- I, I, he's, he's respectful. But, you know, hopefully someday I can, I can get a rematch I was going to say, him. let's fight him again. Let's do yeah. it. He's, he's really good. He's he a tough. Good, he's a tough out. And he's one of these guys that I, I don't know what was happening early in his career, but he was like almost a 500 fighter when, yeah. he's, when he got on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, he's basic. He does, uh, he does a few things really well, though. You know, he hits extremely hard. And he, he uh, believes in his power, right? So he just comes forward and he tries. He just tries to hunt you down. So Floyd Mayweather's been in the news this week, yeah. um, in a very strange uh, way. So he was supposed to be fighting Tension, who's this crazy Japanese yeah. kickboxing phenom, 121 pounds, um, 20 years old, too. 20 years old. He, they do a whole press conference, um, and then after the press conference, I guess on the flight home, 
Mayweather is irked by something. He goes on Instagram today and says he thought that he was that his fight wasn't going to be televised. It was going to be like a three round exhibition in front of like a bunch of rich businessmen. So, huh. and that's why I he is know. not taking the fight. He thought he was going to be paid a hundred million dollars to do a three round ex- three 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 minute round exhibition against tension in front of like a small audience. Well, and that would have been with kickboxing rules. No, we still don't, we, we I don't know no if we'll ever know. Ever, we'll I don't know if we'll know. ever know. And in Japan, sometimes they can say the first round's boxing, second round kickboxing. They do whatever. If they it want was kickboxing, there. he would have gotten knocked out. Yeah. Oh, it would not have went well for him. No, he can't. He can't. This uh, tension's kicking game is is on fire. And even though he'd probably give up, like tension would give up about twenty pounds. Oh, he'd still really knock him out. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're a good kickboxer, it's a totally different game. It's a totally different game when you have kicks. It's like a kickboxer doing MMA. Like a boxer to kickboxing is different, man. But Floyd Mayweather's very smart to keep picking fights with these mixed martial artists. Yeah, because they're easy for him. It's easy money. If it's straight boxing, and of course it's easy money for him. He was a he was a minus two fifty favorite against Connor when that fight started, which is the most insane. That's ridiculous. Like we all should have more taken out a mortgage on our homes and bet on that. It's yeah. just it makes no sense that it was ever that low. Yeah, I don't get it. Like if you think about it, like Derek Lewis was a bigger underdog. Against Cormier, than uh, than by probably double than Conor McGregor in a boxing match was against yeah, the best wow. boxer of our generation. Yeah, it's his mouth, man. It's Conor's mouth. Yeah, us, people he, believe he gets. Him. Yeah. He believes in himself, and we somehow and buy we into somehow it. Right? Fall into not, it. Not me. Yeah. I always bet against the guy, and he keeps winning. And then, yeah, and, 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 and until his last fight. But. Why did you? Why do you always bet against him? Because I just never believed his hype train. You know, never. But uh, he kept proving me wrong, and and I proved me wrong. But then finally, Khabib, you know, got him for me. Yeah, I. You know what? I. It's weird. I always thought, I always made these declarations. I declared that the person that was going to beat um, Ronda Rousey was Holly Holm. And then when they made, they announced the fight, I'm like, ah, oh, it's too soon. Like Holly needs a couple more fights under her belt. Yeah, she goes and wins. I always said the person that's going to beat Demetrius Johnson is Henry Cejudo. Demetrius wins the first fight. Yeah. Cejudo comes and wins the second fight. And at that point, I'm convinced that Demetrius is going to win again. And I always said that uh, Khabib was going to be the one to beat Conor. Yeah. Not that he was the only one. I mean, Diaz beat him. But I just thought that there was no way Conor. But then that fight comes and Conor starts talking. And then I start drinking the Kool-Aid. Then start drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Again. So I just, I guess I keep jumping on the hype, hype train after yeah, I've already convinced caught. myself who's going to win. And yeah. I end up, you know, it ends up going backwards on One me. of your big calls is Curtis Blades, right? I think Curtis Blades will be the heavyweight champion by the end of next year. Yeah, he's made a bold statement. That, He'll man. beat he's Brock Lesnar after Lesnar beats Cormier. He's training with one of my friends too. He's <laughs> training with one of my friends, Sean. So, uh, with the striking. Well, so. an article just came out actually that uh, he's in Denver, right? Curtis Blades is Denver. Blades is Denver based. Yeah, yeah he's at Team Elevation. Yeah. Um, I've got actually an interesting feature coming out on uh, on uh, Curtis that uh, will be on TSN.ca soon Whoa. that I really enjoyed writing. Um, so, but with um, with Curtis. Like that, that whole division's up in the air. But now he might end up fighting John Jones next year. An article just came out that uh, Lesnar has re-signed with the WWE for two fights. They've backed up the Brinks truck for him. Uh, he entered the USADA pool, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's ever going to fight in the UFC. It could have just been strictly for leverage for the WWE negotiations. He yeah. hasn't really signed anything with the UFC that's saying he has to fight on any specific date. Um, and they're saying that Jones versus Cormier three might happen at heavyweight next year. Huh. Which would be crazy because I actually think Cormier at heavyweight against Jones Beats is in a pretty advantageous position. I don't know if you guys agree. I mean, John Jones is not a, the guy you want to bet against in any no, situation. No. I still think I have to go John Jones. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to see John Jones in this fight with uh, Gustafson. You know, he's out of how long off now? At least another year or even, yeah. even more. So man, I remember when he, when he came back after that long lay, lay, layoff against o, 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 OSP, OSP, and that wasn't it? really his best his best performance in the world. But, but I've got a secret for you, Chad. You know what I mean? 
John Jones has fought more recently than Alexander Gustafson. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's the secret that nobody's nobody's mentioned. No one's ever thought about. Everybody keeps saying John Jones this layoff. How's he going to look after this layoff? He's fought one less time than Alexander Gustafson since he started having all those issues. Wow. Yeah. So Gustafson hasn't been active either. No. Gustafson's last fight was against Glover Teixeira, like last May of and, 2017. And then Gustafson like lost a Rumble before that. Yeah, he before that. Yeah, he wasn't looking great. Either. Yeah, and Rumble was supposed to fight Jones. And, and watching the Gustafson Jones first fight, did you think Gustafson won that fight? No. You no, thought Jones no, I won. thought Jones won that fight. I was at that fight. Yeah, I in was fact, there too. One of the reporters was, in front of me started crying after that fight because of how beautiful it was. I, I was thing that happened. <laughs> a real I'm thing. Still <laughs> mad at Mitch Gagnon because he fought and then wanted to leave after. So we ended up leaving before oh, the main oh, event. Yeah? So Jeez. I didn't even get to watch. I shared a dressing room with Jones. It was all cool. And I was like, ah, we're like, ah, it's going to not be that great of a fight. Let's go. Yeah. So we ended up leaving and ended up being one of the fights of the year. I was so pa- pissed that I'm still mad at Mitch for that. Jones might be one of the best trash talkers ever, though. Because Gustafson, he, he says to Gustafson, he goes, he goes, uh, he's, you know, he was talking about how Jones wasn't prepared for that fight. And Jones goes, I wasn't prepared for that fight. I barely did any training. And I was partying all the time. And I beat you. I still beat you. Yeah. And Gustafson doesn't have an answer for that. <laughs> I, uh, it's so hard and it's so stressful watching when you go to a press conference when the other guy is so good on the mic. Like when you're going against Connor, when you're going against Jones on that mic, it's almost impossible. Because every time Gustafson would talk, he'd repeat the same answer. Just, well, I beat you the first time. And then Jones is just so good on the mic that they just make that other person look so bad. And it's just that's where I think this, uh, the the switch in the, the odds happen a lot of these press conferences. When you're good on that mic, man, you Absolutely. you can shut that other guy down really easily. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoyed when it was him in D.C. and it showed the, like stuff be, 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 be behind the scenes. When, uh, you, did you yeah, yeah. No, the embedded so after side. he got pulled out? No, like oh, when it was like, uh, you, like you saw their pussy oh. and blah, blah. Oh, blah, yeah, blah, blah. when it they was, were about to go out, yeah. yeah. It was showing they're, they're they're both pretty good at trash talking. Yeah, yeah. DC's DC's really DC's good too. DC's getting yeah. good, man. Is there ever a fighter that got in your head before a fight? Never. Now, now that it's uh, over, no, you never. can admit it. No. But, uh, in when uh, when when I fought Gloria Buffondo, he like came out. He does all these crazy flips, and then I was waiting in the back because I, I was I was a red corner, and he was like throwing kicks and taking like his sweet time. Like like I get into the octagon, I'm like just get in there, man. So it didn't like get into my head, but I'm like, all right, buddy. I'm like it's. Time to fight now. I sprinted right to the cage. I ripped my stuff off and jumped in there. And I just didn't want to get after him like uh, right away, you know? Well, it's funny. We, we were talking about Curtis Blades, and they told me, the people that I spoke to, I spoke to his coaches, I spoke to him, they told me a, a story with him that's similar, where when he was fighting Mark Hunt, they said that he was his fight week, he looked terrible, that Curtis looked terrible. They, they just they couldn't get Curtis to lock in, to like yeah, really, focus. yeah, for the, the switch to go off. And he, they said that before the fight, Mark Hunt and his cornerman did the haka, you know, the, the yeah, rugby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they said that Curtis was so angry that he felt disrespected that these guys were doing that before the fight to try to get in his head. That, like the, That's when the switch that went off. It was before he came out to fight, fight Mark Hunt that they did oh, that, yeah. and they angered him to a point where he got, he got into the zone. Yeah. And that's, they think that that's why he won the fight was because they tried to intimidate him. And, it did, and I guess that's what happened with Galore, right? Galore yeah. was probably trying to get in your head with his kicks and going out slowly. Time. It, it kind of it drove me nuts a little bit, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I had that with Raymond Daniels. He took his time. like He did this whole ritual before, and we're sitting there waiting. Waiting, waiting, 10 seconds. I'm, I'm standing ready to fight round one. I'm pumped to go, and he's just waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing his thing, bowing in the corner, his hand. And we're like, it got to me. It bothered me. Did you, did you work with Chad for that Galore fight? Uh, nope. No, this is our because, first time working because together. Because Galore, is, uh, that's the type of guy you, you're good at beating. Yeah. The, that the, kind of karate style and the yeah. kind of weird striking. Yeah. yeah. No, I 
No, but but I mean, Chad did, Chad did what he was supposed to do. He pressured him. Pressure. Yeah. <laughs> pressured him. The guy had no answer. Yeah. No, Chad's, I'm telling you, his low kicks were there. It's just now those fine adjustments, you'll see it. He's definitely making the, it's, it. it's just, it's the, it's the little things. And for me, it's just kind of like, uh, it's giving me a lot of motivation. You know, I've, I've been learning some new stuff and it's, re- it's been fun for me, especially in the, in the right, like smack in the middle of the camp. This is when I'm still like grinding every day and just doing the same thing over and over. It, it just gets boring and like, and, and monotonous. You know what I mean? So coming up here and working with Joe, it's been it's been a lot of fun, man. And it's just uh, I, I, I just love learning. So just just being here and, and lear, learning some little tricks, uh, it's it's been awesome. What's the hardest part on your wife for her to deal with as with you being a fighter? She's, I always wonder about this. She is awesome, man. I, I was telling Joe this. I I literally couldn't ask for 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 a better girl, you know. But like like coming here, I can I can stay here for two weeks, and she uh, she 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 wouldn't care at all. But you know, I think just like knowing like once I'm in training camp, I'm kind of like. I'm not really available much, you know what I mean? I'm just training, and then I come home, and even when I try to be with the kids and stuff, I'm just exhausted, right? So it's kind of ups and downs, and she's been with me since my first am- from my first amateur fight to now, right? So she's been the whole ride, like back when I was making no money, broke as could be, and then got to the UFC, won the Ultimate Fighter. So, you know, she's she's definitely been there with it from, from day one. Do your kids know what you well, I mean, your youngest wouldn't yeah, know what you do, but your 18-month-old, do does he have any, or uh, does no, she have she, any? Uh, she'll, she'll, like, I, I actually have a gym in my house, and she'll come down there with me all the time when I'm doing, like, mobility and stuff. She picks up my gloves and just runs around, <laughs> so it's fun, man. It's funny hearing parents when they say 18 months, because parents always talk in months, so I'm like, one year. year and yeah, and she's uh, just started walking so a couple I'm months ago, right? I'm calculating, yeah, yeah. Like, what, 18 months? Because it sounds younger than it probably actually is, right? Yeah, well, your, your kids are what, just about a year apart. Yeah they're, yeah, they're like uh, 15 months apart. Yeah, so, so that's yeah. the so, that's, I got, uh, I got, that's I got, tough. I definitely have some uh, big master plans for them. You know, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna put them in karate and wrestling and uh, and and jujitsu. You know, so as a parent, you see yourself wanting to do that, like put your kids into the martial arts. Absolutely, world? I I don't definitely won't. I don't want them to fight, but you know to learn I mean? the martial but arts. hundred yeah. percent. I think you know, that's the consensus for all of us now. You know, yeah, we don't you we don't want them to fight. Let's let's. I'm fighting so that you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is with kids too when they see their parents and like that are coaches or when they see their their, their parents as fighters, it's kind of like they want attention from their parents, so they want to do what yeah. their their parents do. So sometimes it automatically leads into it. Like say for example, if I had a kid or your son always sees me and you training all the time, he might be like, oh, I want to do this just so dad gives me more attention, yeah. kind of thing. So it's probably you know a lot on the on the kids and it. That's what they want is your parents' attention. My my wife and I have had a bunch of talks. She's like, you know, you need to make sure that you don't push our kids too hard. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it'll kind of depend on, on, on their personality too. Yeah. You know, I'm super driven, super focused, and I love, I love like, being pushed, right? Whereas my wife maybe doesn't. So we're, we're going to kind of see the where, uh, where, where, the, where, the, where the kids come in. And their interest might be in something else too, Absolutely, right? You might right? push and your son to be good at hockey or your then, daughter to be good at gymnastics. I have know? to be okay with whatever they want to do, just just support them and let them follow those dreams. How old were you when you started doing martial arts? Uh, 15. I started like boxing at a local boxing gym. But like I was telling Joe, I, I, I came from Chatham, like a small little town. I mm-hmm. came in like rural area from that. So I didn't really have a good coach or a trainer. I was just kind of like trained in my garage and there was a little non-for-profit boxing gym in town so i did a little bit of that and then yeah man and then i eventually was able to uh move up to london and start training with with with, with the guys at adrenaline and then uh yeah, here we are and how old were you when you had your first amateur fight uh 22 okay so you were, so you were learning for quite some time before because yeah, like, i always find elias's story very interesting yeah. that he didn't start learning any martial arts until he was like 21 or something yeah like the guy's like a, a prodigy yeah 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we know about our pal Elias. And uh, what was it like having him on the show with you? Were you were, did you get along with Elias? Yeah, man, I've uh, I've definitely known Elias for a long time. And I was telling Joe this today when when when, when I was there, I actually trained with Elias the most out of anybody because I knew that him and I wouldn't have to fight, right? So uh, I knew that Cage and Olivia and I were the three best guys. So uh, I did m- the majority of my training was uh, w- was with Elias, and then him and I trained together at. At TriStar with uh, Crew Rash, I, I've been I've been training with him for a long time. Olivier is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. He is. He's man. such an interesting he's, guy. He's, it's finally come out. Like he didn't used to show it much. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's kind of like shy and quiet, like like before. But now his old Canadian gangster thing and his little <laughs> fanny pack. Everywhere. No fox. Everything's no fox. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> fox given. No fox given. But I have. Uh, I've always. Uh, I've always known that about him. Like just hanging out with him yeah, when yeah. he came here to, to TSN, I was like, yeah. "Wow, this guy's this guy's a really funny guy." And you had a you had a talk with Elias. I, I watched your interview the other day on his um, on CBD on, on yeah. uh, CBD and medical cannabis. I mean, he seems like he's really pushing for it. He has been for a while behind the scenes with USADA. He's really been working with USADA to try to get uh, you know, in competition. You know where CBDs. he is now. Um, I mean, I think the in-competition CBD he, is good. He it's, said it's, he was going to find out I think he wants the THC soon. for it, no? Well, what he wants is a temporary use exemption. That's all he's asking for because he can use CBD and THC yeah, throughout the year, but he says that it'll still stay in the system even for the a couple weeks. Even the CBD under 1%? It doesn't matter. They don't tech, uh, they're only looking for THC, right? Uh, and, yeah. And, and, you, and, and you can have THC. It just has to be under whatever the level is. Mm-hmm. But he says the THC is part of what helps him as well. I guess, yeah, in, no, it's, in a medical that's the capacity. pain management yeah. part of it too. Like. The CBD is good anti-inflammatory, good for, you know, all of the health stuff. But it's the THC. If you have pain and, and stuff, that it's the THC that helps mask the pain. Yeah, so really what he's after is he's trying to get a therapeutic use exemption but from, is he, from USADA is he and from the commission. Is he open to why he needs it? Yeah, he is explained why. anxiety? He, no, he said, he said that it's actually um, because he's got a, a condition with his wrists. Okay. Uh, that so he's, got, he's, got, he's got weaker wrists than... Um, than the gen- like most of the general population because of something he has. I forget what it was exactly, but that um, he, um, the THC and um, whatever he's using is like a vapor. Yeah. He says is is the only thing that's really been able to help him from a pain perspective to manage it. versus he's tried every other painkiller because USADA says you need to exhaust every avenue before we will consider to let you use, like letting you use this. Well, I mean, if you look at Mike Perry's Instagram, I think he was smoking a joint yesterday on his, you know, so they're, they're <laughs> well, really problematic. open about it now. <laughs> Although when I spoke to him earlier on the show, he said that uh, he's in Denver. He can't enjoy the best part about it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, what, maybe he has to take a week off or something, but... Uh, there's, there, there's certain levels. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Nowinski, the guy who works for the UFC and is kind of like our, our bridge to a USADA, said that you are allowed to have... I forget what, what the level was, but he's like, as long as you're not high while you're fighting, you're pretty, you're much, pretty good. much good. Yeah, and I spoke to him for that story that I wrote about Elias. And he's he's really working hard to try to figure out what they're going to do about this because they know that a lot of the fighters use it for Absolutely. pain management. I think most of the fighters I know are using some sort of CBD or something to help. So, I mean, I've seen, I'll say it and then we can move on, but I mean, it's too easy for a fighter to take Advil, ibuprofen before and after training, and then that just kills your stomach. So there's got to be those alternatives, but I still think even with the cannabis, it could be overused as well and... I mean, I don't think you want to be. Do you need an exemption for really? You don't want to be f- smoking the day of your fight, kind of thing. I yeah, don't know. well, I don't know. Elias says again for pain management, it really helps him, and that's and he's he'd looking wanna, to get an he'd have it. But it's not just it's fights, not just so that. He, well, he didn't mention that. He did. He just mentioned that what he takes will stay in his system for longer than he'd like it to for the test. So that so that weeks in advance, just for to be safe, he stops using it. But he says that it would really help him um, in terms of pain yeah. management. So I should definitely reach out to him see if he needs some help with it. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm sure he'd like that. Actually, he's he's very interested in. He's been all over this whole thing and yeah. really trying to be an advocate for it uh, for the fighters. Um, so UFC 230. Before we wrap it up, what did you think of that co-main event, the uh, Jacques Ray versus Chris Weidman? Oh, that was fun. I think it's one of the best fights I've seen in a while. I mean, I just think the excitement was great. The back and forth. Each guy had big moments where the other was finished. Um, I think a lot of the consensus was Weidman was winning that. I thought it was a lot closer than people. Yeah, thought. I had it even going into the third. Me too. I and mean, then I, I thought Weidman was people. starting to win the third, and then Jacques Ray. Yeah, because Longo was saying, "Oh, you know." Um, he was convinced that they were winning that fight going into that, but I thought it was really close. I mean, that stoppage has to be one of the worst stoppages that yeah. I that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you see that, Chad? The stoppage in that fight? No. So Weidman was completely out, and yeah, out Dan cold. Dan like let him fight on, and he's like, you know, like when guys are out, and they try double legging the ref. Yeah, yeah. He was doing that to Jacare, but like with no actual yeah. force Man, behind you know, it. He he's definitely has to be careful because I remember when Yo Romero hit him with that knee. You know what I mean? It's a couple of bad stoppages in a, in a row. Then you know. So you and gotta, and. Uh, uh, Musasi also. Yes, yeah, so you know, a couple way. knockouts kind of back to back to back like there. So hopefully uh, he can give himself a little bit of a rest and uh, he can be all right for the rest of his life. Or he has kids and stuff, right? So yeah. I wish him all the best. He did have one win before. He, he beat Gastelum in his previous fight before that. Choked him, right? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as you mentioned, like he, he has bad shots. Yeah. And yeah. this one was bad. And to see him, like, I mean, it, it was tough. Like he was out cold and, and it was Jacare was literally standing over him. And he looks and at the, the ref, ref like, <laughs> like, do I stop? And wow. he didn't do anything. And Jacques Ray landed a couple kind of soft punches just to show that he was out. Well, not really. He had to give him some two good yeah. backhands. Like, he just gave yeah. him some two big shots that were unnecessary. Wow. I mean, it's tough. I mean, again, I, I say this a lot of times. It's like the fighter would want to keep going. If you ask Weidman, he's probably like, Absolutely. man, I want to go out on the shield. If I'm going to do it, this is everything. But sometimes it's not even the greatest. Like even um, his coach Longo was saying, it's like the fighter wants to go, and we never know what when the limit is, right? So I mean, right, yeah. The fighter but, but has Wyden to do that. The ref has to do their job. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to. And I mean, a lot of times, even if he did survive that, that's not necessarily good for him. Again, he was just completely knocked out. Yeah. And then if he got up again and he was still half dazed, and he's like, okay, he survived. He's still taking more damage on top of it, and that's where the worst effects come from. And there's no such thing as a ref that is perfect. Like no, uh, even it's we've one seen of the her, hardest things to do. We've I seen feel. Herb Dean make mistakes countless times. Really, we've seen everyone Mergliata make mistakes. It, it, it's definitely a, a real thankless job, right? You know, you, you 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 never hear anything when 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 they're doing their job right. It's yeah. Yeah. Great stoppage. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, and and even even judges and referees. Yeah. It's one of the hardest. And things. a lot of the judges, like Half it's very rare that you, you see judging mishaps. It's just they just seem so egregious when they happen that they it draws major attention to them. You mm-hmm. know what though? I would love to see a lot more former fighters take over roles as judges and uh, referees. The you problem know is though, a lot of them are are instructors. Like Ricardo Almeida does yeah, does exactly. ref, does uh, judging, but he also trains a lot of guys. Yeah. So there's a, something the of a conflict there, of interest sure. there. But it's just. If you've been in there, you know a lot more than just some average guy. Like where, I don't even know where they where they get half these people. They yeah. they, they they take a weekend course, or whatever, and then they're certified to to, to uh, be a ref. Yeah, know? like I'm sure people would rather have Jeff Joslin as their judge than like Adelaide Bird. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. So uh, UFC Denver this weekend, 25th anniversary of the UFC. Uh, pretty good card. I thought they'd actually put on a better card. I mean, I know Edgar was the main event until he recently had to pull out, and Yair Rodriguez popped in. But um, I still think that these are great fights. You know, I'm. I'm one of these guys where I don't believe in a bad card in the UFC. Like even if they're in Beijing and there's guys I haven't heard of, I'm still going to watch it and I still respect the hell out of all these guys and they're usually entertaining cards regardless. But, you know, people look at these things on paper and they judge them. Um, that being said, I, I love the main event. Korean Zombie versus El Pantara. Yeah, you're Rodriguez. Yeah, it's nice to see him back. Yeah. 
I mean, after that controversy with the whole Zabit. So, yeah. I mean, this is a, that was a, a fight that makes sense, too. I mean, I, I like it. I like it for him. I mean, it sucks to see um, it was supposed to be Frankie Edgar. Yeah, both these guys have had long layoffs. I think yeah, I think Korean Zombies last fight was Super Bowl weekend in 2017, and the Ayers was the Dallas pay per view in 2017. Whatever, I think that was May. So is this as uh, is is Korean Zombie co- coming back from the military service or he's no already he's already once. come back. He's, oh, he he beat once. Dennis Bermudez in the first round when he nice. came back from the military service. I, I remember when and Mark now we've lost Duho Choi to the military service for oh, two wow. years. I remember when Mark fought him here in Toronto, and you know uh, Korean Zombie de- or uh, Chen, uh, Chen oh, Sung yeah, Jung eight has, seconds has power, or something. Man. You know you yeah. make, you make one mistake with that guy and. Uh, he can put your lights out. Yeah, Mark was the favorite in that fight, and he lost, I think, in like the first couple seconds of yeah, that fight. One, yeah, that one was shot. Mark, 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 Mark missed the left hook, and uh, Chan uh, Sung Jung countered with right hand, uh, yeah. right hand over top. Yeah, Chan Sung Jung's been ro- around for a while, but this is like this is young versus old. I mean, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Yep. Uh, Perry versus Cerrone. We talked a little bit about this one uh, off the air. But, uh, you know, Perry's, Perry's got a lot of ways to win this, but I wouldn't count Donald out. I mean, Donald is the type of guy that if he can turn this into a more tactical, patient affair and not, yeah. not get, bought, you know, get sucked into a brawl. Yeah, um, that, that's the problem. I think Mike's too good at closing that distance and pressuring where he's going to get inside and he's going to power punch. He's going to hit on angles. I mean, I think Cerrone will probably try to have to keep him long, but Perry's good at slipping off and, and coming in and countering, so it's going to be tough. I, I have... Mike Perry winning this one. Yeah, you know, Perry took offense to one of my questions, and he was 100% right. I said, does it, does it um, benefit you for this to be a less technical fight, to be more of a brawl? And he's like, well, uh, even, you know, for what you, what you call a brawl, if you're somebody it's who just technical. follows the fight, there's a lot of technique behind yeah. that. There's a lot of technique behind everything that I'm throwing. I'm not just throwing wildly. That was, that was my critique in my career, and it was stupid. I would get... The, the aggressive brawler. And I'm like, because I come forward, are you not understanding the technique of my low kick, the timing, the pressure, my defense? Like, I'm being so tactical, but everyone, I'd fight a Muay Thai guy just because he's slower paced and then, oh, it's the technician versus the brawler. I was like, huh? Yeah. I'm the, I hit with a lot of power because I have good technique. Mm. I got this because mm-hmm. of my technique. Yeah. And my and, confidence and my belief in my training. And when Perry called me out on it, I'm like, he's 100% right. And I, and that was an, right. I asked that question in an ignorant way because yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that he's not working on the technique behind his fighting style. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, I, I kind of changed it afterwards and I said, let me rephrase. Yeah. Um, you know, it's more your style versus his style. You want to make sure that he you know, gets sucked yeah. into your style of fight. I like that he called you out on that. I do too. Yeah, it makes you really it's, think your it, questions. It, now. It's true though. It's it's uh, it is a it's a teachable moment for me because yeah. he's one hundred percent right, and I, I and I and I disrespected him by asking that question. And uh, fair, yeah. And I'll I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take my lumps for that because he's right. Yeah, you tell him weed is bad and your technique is a brawler. <laughs> You'll make your best friends now. Yeah, I like Mike though. Mike and I—I've uh, met Mike a couple times, and he's just—he uh, he breathes fun. different oxygen he's than a, the rest of us. He is a character, man. You know, he's yeah. definitely one of those guys that people are uh, attracted to. And you were saying on fight week with him, he's just—he's he's crazy, funny. man. So he, uh, him and I fought together in uh, Winnipeg last year, and you know, he was my entertainment all all uh, fight week. I was listening to, to his stories, and his girlfriend was there holding pads for him, and uh, yeah, he yeah. was definitely a character. <laughs> That's so funny. So Jermaine Durandame is back. Uh, what was her layoff? Well, it was February of 2017 when she won the featherweight title. So she won the featherweight title, didn't want to fight Cyborg, gave it up, and uh, we haven't heard from her since. But now she's back uh, against a title challenger earlier this year, Raquel Pennington, who fought Nunes earlier this year and uh, lost a pretty lopsided decision. Yeah, I liked her. Or was that stopped? I think it was stopped in the fifth round. It was stopped in the fifth round. 
Yeah, she's got that Dutch style kickboxing background, mm-hmm. so it's cool. Absolutely. Um, Ray Borg and Benavides has been scrapped, unfortunately, due to uh, health concerns with Ray. Um, Macy Barber against Hannah Cyphers. Um, Macy's an up and comer, twenty years old. That's why she's such a big favorite in this. They they think they're putting her in a position to win uh, because she was on the uh, Dana White Contender Series. She's from Denver, twenty years old. They're really trying to build her up. She's actually doing an open workout this week, nice, which okay. is interesting. Um, and Luis Pena, violent Bob Ross. I love this guy. Uh, he's taking on yeah, he's taking on Mike Trezano, who Trezano won the season of the Ultimate Fighter that they were on that Pena had to withdraw from because he got injured. So oh, wow. Pena kind of wants to say, I, I'm the real Ultimate Fighter here. And he's oh, cool. he's a big favorite here yeah. against Mike Trezano. Um, I just and, like the uh, Bob Ross reference. Yeah, violent Bob Ross. <laughs> There's actually on that anatomy of a fighter, the thing you were watching where with Mike Perry with playing basketball. Yeah. He goes up to uh, he's like, "Hey man, Bob Ross." He goes, "Hey, what's your real name?" <laughs> yeah, what's your real name? <laughs> he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Luis Pena." But yeah, everybody calls me Bob Ross. They don't That's even know my awesome. real name. That's yeah. a good name. It's probably my favorite name right now. I like it. Yeah, and some guys to watch that are uh, that are on this card. Devonte Smith is making his uh, debut. He was on the Dana White Contender Series. His actually his only loss is to is to uh, John Gunther, who fights on the same card. But uh, Devontae Smith is a heavy hitter, and he's fighting Julian Arosa, who's also on tough and is making his comeback in the UFC. Was, uh, he's an interesting guy. He uh, has a lot, of, um, a lot of spinning kicks, a lot of kind of unpredictability mm-hmm. in his, uh, his striking. So um, we're going to do our picks, Joe. Right now yeah. I'm, I'm up on you again. We both lost last time. I, I took Ben Saunders. This, this is how long ago. I know it's been a couple. Yeah, Glory's this is how long ago it's been. Here. Yeah. I had uh, I had Ben Saunders who's fought since he fought this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time we made our picks was for uh, I think it was Sao Paulo. So you're at 137 and I'm at 74, 75. Yeah, and you had Olive- Charles Oliveira, Alex Oliveira, and Henan Burrow, and Burrow lost to uh, a newcomer. Yeah. I don't know what's happened to that guy. I don't know what happened. He's from being at the top of the division for for so long yeah. and being pound so for one of the pound for pound top guys. Yeah, it can't even catch uh, catch a break anymore. That's it. Yeah, he was losing the guys that I think the guy that beat him his not his fight before that, but the one before that was like against a fourteen and fifty four fighter. Yeah, ridiculous. So like he's he yeah. wasn't fighting high level competition. He comes in and beats uh, Henan Burrell. Uh So do you have a pick for this, Joe? Yeah, I like uh, Yair Rodriguez, and Chad agreed with me. So um, we're, we're teaming up on you. We're picking Yair Rodriguez to beat the zombie. Well, you mentioned uh, Jermaine Duran. Plus one twenty, so yeah. I'm plus money on this one. You mentioned Jermaine Durandame's uh, Dutch kickboxing style. I actually think Pennington is going to have some good advantages in this fight from a stand-up perspective. I think she's going to pressure uh, Durandame, and um, I, I just think it's a, an advantageous position for Pennington. I think her kind of um, her style of fighting is going to be tough for Jermaine to implement her game in the way that she'd like to. I know against Holly Holm, it was. Pretty much a, a kickboxer versus a um, a, a Muay Thai practitioner, um, but in this particular situation, I think Pennington style might frustrate Durandame. Some striking to wrestling, maybe. Yeah, a little bit more grappling. But Pennington, as a striker, she's not super technical. I don't really want to say that because she's got her own technique, and we, we've kind of gone over this. But she, her her um, her striking style has really flummoxed a lot of people that are very um, that, that think very hard about what they're going to be doing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how to say this anymore without offending people by yeah, saying that trying. people are yeah, saying trying. that people are less technical than other people. Less technical. Her technique can pose a problem for Durandame's technique. There we How's go. that? That's Is that better? better. I'm good with go. that. All right. I'm good with so that. So I like I like Pennington as an underdog at plus one forty five. All right. 
This is going to be a... There's going to be a lot of people you, sh- you should watch on this card. Like um, the aforementioned Macy Barber, Devontae Smith, and his opponent, Arosa, is, is fun to watch. Davi Ramos is one of the best BJJ guys yeah, in the UFC he's right now. a great now. grappler, that, yeah. that guy. He's like, it's solid, like, like a little brick, too, at 155. So that's going to be pretty cool because he's fi- fighting mostly a, uh, a wrestler in John Gunther. John Gunther, Gunther's best path to victory in the past uh, that led him to be an undefeated fighter before he got onto uh, the Ultimate Fighter was, uh, was his wrestling. I guess he's still undefeated, technically, because he lost on the show. Yeah. So um, his record is unaffected by that, and he won at the finale. Um, so that there you have it. That's UFC Fight Night in Denver. Airs this Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on TSN5. Uh, so Bazooka Kickboxing, 680 Progress Road. I'm going to ask for a testimonial on, uh, from Chad as to why Absolutely. people should, should train at, at Bazooka Kickboxing. We've got a live testimonial. Why not take advantage? There we it, go. Man. You know, uh, Joe's definitely one of, the, one of the smartest guys that, uh, that, that I've ever worked with. And uh, if you're anywhere in the area, you know, even like me, two hours away in London, you're, you're crazy not to come train here with him. Boom. You can check out Joseph Valtellini on YouTube if you don't want to come train with him and want to learn for free on YouTube. That's it. And we're going to have a combo that I worked with Chad coming on. So um, we got a good combination. I liked it. We filmed it. And then I was like, hey, let me do a video on this combo what's, of the day. What's the combo? Uh, we did a double jab enter to a nice overhand. And then we doubled up um, on our, our left hooks. And then we finished with a right uppercut right hook. So it's a wow, lot. that's a lot. Com- it's good, but it's more of like a concept combination. This is some Killer Instinct type stuff. We got it. Yeah, we'll see. You some Mike Tyson style. Yeah. Yes. And uh, your current video, most recent, is jab, lead hook, round kick, knee combo. Yeah. You've been working I, that been one with Chad? Some combination style striking. Yeah. I mean, my combinations are more um, you have to get the right footwork. I mean, if your footwork's not there, then the combination sucks. So um, I'm usually more of a basic style, but when you get more advanced, I'm, I like to change it up, be creative with my striking. Well, there it is. So, Chad, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. And uh, you can check Chad out, uh, UFC 231 in Toronto. UFC Toronto, baby. Uh, yeah, I keep trying to remember all the numbers because all these new numbers are coming out and they're announcing new cards uh, left and right. No Canadian date uh, announced for the first quarter just yet no. for the UFC. They put the schedule out, but they, they have some TBA locations. Have you heard about them? Any Canadian yeah, dates? Yeah, I, I have a feeling it'll probably be in the summer, the mm-hmm. same as last year. Like they, uh, they, they usually do one in the summer, one, one in the fall, and then one in like December. Mm-hmm. is p- probably what I would imagine they will do again. I like the summer ones because you can see the nice parts of Canada when it's nice outside. That's yeah. it. Not yeah. always the cold months. And so I've heard rumors of three events again next year, two fight nights and one pay-per-view. So yeah, we'll that's, what what they, that's what they tend to do uh, every year. They, they yep. tend, well, but previously it was a big Fox card, a regular fight night and yep. a pay-per-view, but now with ESPN, who knows how that's going to play out, if they're going to do like a big ESPN card. or. And I plan on being what? on all three. That's, that is the goal. I remember when you had won, I guess, last year in Vegas – yeah. You, you were all fired up. You wanted to be on whatever the next Canadian card yeah, was. It was Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. I was trying to fight Mickey Gall, and yeah, it didn't happen. didn't end up happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, next year, the cities that I had heard mentioned uh, were Vancouver, Quebec City. Fought in both of those? No, that, this is for the upcoming ones, yeah. yeah but no, you fought, fought there, yeah. Fought both those already. Yeah. So Vancouver, Quebec City. Both nice places. And um, then they were looking at some other smaller markets, which no is Toronto? what they had to do. Uh, probably not again yeah, next year. Usually no. every two years. Yeah, every two years. So. Yeah. Huh. What I'd like to see is them do a card in Oshawa. You know what I like to see is London, Ontario. Yeah, London, like perfect like Budweiser there. Garden would be perfect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for for a nice fight night, like ten thousand people. You know, it's right it's right in the middle between like Detroit and Toronto. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah, I think why, London man. would be great. I think, like I mentioned, Oshawa's a good city, and yeah. Hamilton's a good city. Hamilton like too, all these kind town. of small cities are. Uh, yeah. Are really solid, yeah. Like Oshawa's kind of a fight town too. They've had the the hockey team, and same with Hamilton, like you mentioned. Yeah, that that's the Tribute Center, right? In Oshawa, Oshawa. Don't they have a new uh, arena? Oh yeah, there? the Tribute Home Center. Tribute Center. Yeah. Center. 
That's where Glory was um, interested in looking at one of the arenas. Let's get it going. Come on. It's coming. I met. Uh, the, I've uh, still for- never been to a Glory event. I was supposed to go. CEO, yeah, the former CEO. I had dinner with him last night. So um, he's meeting with the ministry today. Wow. This okay. Morning. So hopefully I'll get some insight next next week. Hopefully I'll have some better news for us. All right. Well, let's hope. Uh, thanks again, Chad. We'll no be back problem. next week. Thank, thank you for having me. Uh, of course, my pleasure. And uh, next week, UFC in Chile, I think. Or is it Argentina? I think Argentina. It's Chile. Argentina, Argentina, right. You have seen Argentina. Yeah. So Argentina headlined by uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio against Neil Magny. That'll be a fun one. Uh, Thanks for those tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.